You're listening to Semper Reform on the Radio, where the Bible alone and the Bible in its entirety is applied to all of life. There are many people who do not want to hear the truth because it will shake up the false hope they have that they're going into heaven when indeed they are not. Christ is our King. Scripture is our law. Scripture and the laws of our country now collide head on. Now, just to make it clear, we don't bow down to Caesar. So what does Paul do when he gets his big shot at the Areopagus? Watch him. Now, not only has Paul not compromised in order to get here, but once he's here, he says, your worldview is wrong, your philosophy is wrong, it's not just wrong, it's an affront to God, you ought to know better, you're in sin. But the good news is, God has extended to you an opportunity to repent. All right, uh, I want to say thank you to everybody for tuning in. This is going to be uh, part two. I think it's uh, um, we're doing a joint podcast between Semper Reformanda Radio and Grace Radio. Is it Grace Radio, Peter? The Grace Hour on Blog Talk Radio. Grace Hour, Grace Hour yeah. Uh, I have with me uh, Peter Christian, who is making a case against Lordship Salvation, and Joseph Rios is with me right now. Uh, we, we're basically in the middle of talking with Peter, and he is about to get into Lordship Salvation and uh, a quote that he referenced uh, that we referenced last week on his uh, on his Facebook page. Uh, Peter, just for just for this week, would you mind just reading that? And, and so here, here's what I want to do for this this session. Let's just read it. You gave the backstory last time. I challenged you a little bit on some of the things that you you uh, said. Uh, you got a little upset with me because I said that you needed to repent and you said that I needed to repent and I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm not upset at all. I, I do think that there's things that I need to repent of. Uh, so I definitely will go back and, I and look at... I wasn't, I, wasn't, hold on. I wasn't upset because you said I needed to repent. I'll repent if I made a mistake anywhere and I repent all day long. I'm, I was frustrated because we're not getting to the point we keep getting cut off. Right, right, yeah. Right. So that's and, why now it's become a I want to say that I really appreciate you um, giving the backstory, and I really appreciate you talking about those other things because I think uh, I think there was some good content in there about what you believe about regeneration, what you believe about the gospel, and I think that that's important for people to know and understand because that's I think sort of the foundation as to why the, what's leading you to condemn uh, Paul Washer, John MacArthur, and Steve Lawson. So it's not it's not at all. Not at all. What I what I'm condemning them is a works based salvation backdoor works based salvation. I'm gonna show it to you. Okay, sounds good. Uh then I, I misrepresented you there. I'm willing to be correct uh corrected on that. Uh, that was just my assessment that that had something. That's okay. What, what you believe about the gospel and what you believe about regeneration and stuff like that had something to do with that, but I, I guess no, I guess it, it, doesn't. it doesn't 
So no, because they uh, believe the same thing. They believe in sanctification. They believe in justification. They believe in being by saved by grace. They believe in that. And they preach that all day long. Right. Okay. okay. But they also mix up a works in it. So well, let's let's do this this week. Go ahead and read the statement, and then we'll get into the lordship salvation controversy. I'm going to ask Joseph to really step in this time and talk about lordship salvation, because, like I said last time, we just didn't get to it. I'm not really familiar with it. I I, I will go to the scriptures if I have a point, but uh, as far as what the lordship salvation is, I, I really don't know. So, Peter, would you mind reading the quote from from your Facebook page that started all of this, in which you were calling Paul Washer heretical? just for our listeners again this week, and then we'll go ahead and get into it. You can explain why you think that Paul Washer is a, a heretic, why you think that he's lordship salvation, and uh, and you, you can you can take it from there. All right. Um, before I get in there, uh, Joseph, do you want to add anything? Because I might take a couple of minutes. Yeah, so what, what I'm going to try to do is, um, is if, uh, if I have a – Point of clarification. I'm going to try not to ask anything, and I, I want you to finish as much as you can. But I'm going to—you you can see me, so I'll try to let you know uh, visually, so you can try to figure out an appropriate stopping point. But I don't—I don't want to interrupt you too much. I want to hear everything you have to say. So, okay. So, lordship salvation—the way that it's been presented—and uh, I'm not just picking on Washer. I'm not picking on just Jay Magan or or Lawson, but 30, 30 leaders in this industry, I suppose you can say, but. Lordship salvation, from what it teaches, is a mixture of grace and works-based righteousness. It teaches nothing about about uh, what Christ did for His elect. It teaches nothing about you are being you are an elect chosen vessel of God. It teaches nothing about the accomplished redemption and imputed righteousness of Christ upon the cross for the sinner. It teaches a lot about analyze yourself look at yourself look at your faith look at your walk how are you doing check yourself see if you're walking in the faith that presents a psycho psychological issue upon the audience to look at himself all the time and, and thinking I, okay i gotta check my step every 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 walk i gotta look at myself every day i gotta make sure i'm living up to christ's expectation or else i'm gonna lose salvation I might not even have salvation. So the question is, when is good good enough? And have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? And how much of a Lord do I have to make him? What I must what must I surrender? What must I give up in my life in order to satisfy him and to appease him, to be, make him happy? It puts the pressure a lot upon the creature in his worship about God. It doesn't make him look at Christ anymore. It doesn't look make him look upon grace anymore. It doesn't make him look into Christ being righteous enough for him. Doesn't look, doesn't make him look upon Jesus as being his full sanctification, his full justification. He's in his back mind thinking, and I know that you're thinking I'm wrong because you've grown and matured in the grace and understanding these kind of things. But as a young Christian or someone new in the faith coming into it, they're led into thinking these things in the back of their mind that they must upkeep a certain lifestyle, that they must upkeep a certain kind of walk before God or else they're going to dissatisfy this God and make him upset or disappointed in him. Well, God can't be ever disappointed in those whom he has chosen and elected because first of all, to say that God is upset is to say that God is not omniscient. He saw in the future. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. You know what I mean? And I'm not advocating for you to go out and just do whatever and live like a wicked Christian sinner. What I'm saying is 
God already declared us righteous, fully sanctified, fully righteous, fully justified in Jesus Christ. We can't get any more perfect in the eyes of God. Even while we were wretched, wicked sinners, we were still perfect in God. That's election. That's him loving us with an everlasting love before the foundation of the world. Lordship salvation teaches that you have to, and they hone in and they hammer this, what have you done in your life? How is your walk in life? What are you doing to stand right before God now that you believe in Jesus? How are you confirming your faith? Look at yourself. Examine yourself. Sovereign grace teaches look upon Christ as your full satisfaction for everything. You don't need to look at yourself. Your works, you've got to trust God. It's going to, he's going to work it out of you. Why are you monitoring and checking your works? When you monitor and check your work to see if you're doing good enough, you're actually checking God to see if he's working anything out of you, and you're actually monitoring him. Right? But when your faith is there, like you trust God to work out of you what he needs to work out in you, and I have faith that God is sovereign. He's able to bring everyone unto good works, that he who began a good work in us will fully accomplish it, that he is strong enough and mighty enough and sovereign enough to bring his elect chosen in God in Christ to the knowledge of all truth, to the knowledge of understanding election, predestination, justification, regeneration, satisfaction, imputation. He will bring us to us. Now, you're going to bring me two verses in the Bible and say, what about this guy? He died like that. Does he believe it or not? I can't say what God put in his mind to understand. But what I know here, that with the book in front of us, what what he brings us out of, and when I say that, it's because there's in the midst of us, there is such a a broad spectrum of of Christianity that is heretical, okay? And so we have to be very careful with our doctrine and understanding of it. And I think God will separate us from the false gospel. Now, having said that, the Lordship salvation, as I said, but Paul teaches, and I'm going to use Paul Washer as an example, and I'm, I can also use Steve Lawson as an example. But for example, Paul Washer, he writes in his book called The Gospel Call and True Conversion. Uh, he says it there, I'm going to take a quote. He says, 40 days after the resurrection, the Son of God ascended into the heavens, sat down at the right hand of the Father, and was given glory, honor, and dominion over all. There, in the presence of God, he represents his people and makes requests to God on their behalf. All who acknowledge their sinful, helpless state and throw themselves upon Christ, God will fully pardon, declare righteous, and reconcile unto himself. This is the gospel of God and of Jesus Christ's Son. And he closes the chapter with that. Okay. Uh, granted, later on in the book, he also talks about grace. He, ta he also talks about uh, um uh, being chosen and stuff like that. But when he pre presents it like this, this is a gospel that makes people think they have to acknowledge their sin. They have to throw themselves upon Christ in order for God to give them full pardon. We understand that we can do all this stuff. It doesn't earn pardon before God because pardon that we receive from God is already accomplished by Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago. When he died, his death was sufficient for us to be pardoned before the law, before the demand of the law, that the soul that sinned it shall die. Hence, Christ received our sin. We received his righteousness. He died for us, and now we're declared righteous. So we don't have to do these things in, in order for God to give, to give us full pardon. And when Paul writes something like this, Washer, when he writes something like this, it leads a person to understand and think that 
they must be the one throwing themselves before Christ. They must be the one to acknowledge their sinful self. And of course, we all end up acknowledging our sin. We, we all end up throwing ourselves before Christ, but that's the outworking of God choosing us, giving us repentance. That's God working out of us these things. It's not us doing it in order to have pardon from God. We are received, <clears throat> have already received pardon from, from God 2,000 years ago by the works of Christ on the cross. And because of that, all these things now is flowing through us and working out of us that we are now throwing ourselves before God, confessing our sins before God. Yeah. Let right. me... Um, can I? Can I? Oh, can I just... Uh, okay, just add on that, and then I want to play a clip. Okay, okay. so so I, I, I hold uh, I hold the lordship, um, but I think I would I would actually describe it a lot differently than you do. But uh, but I want to make a clarification. So lordship is not as much about the order salutis, um, and it's not much as much about soteriology in in the sense of uh, the means of accomplishment. Um, if uh, if I remember correctly, it, it was more developed as a polemic against easy believism. Um, it was uh, it was developed it was uh, refined to uh, to expose to people that they didn't uh, truly believe based on what the scripture teaches. So so what my um, so I, I think that you know it seems like you're I, I'm, I'm not accusing you of this. Okay, so I'm gonna say that first. Uh, but but you're misrepresenting how uh, a lordship person would typically define it. So maybe you're just drawing from the implications of what you think it gets to, and I get that. Um, I do the same thing all the time, especially when I read scripture. I think it's helpful. I understand, uh, I understand where you're coming from. I understand yeah, that why lordship salvation came into the form it came to yeah. is to rebuke and uh, go against the easy believism, yeah. right? But, but yeah, it's gotten to a point where the preachers of this thing has honed in and hit hard all the time. What are you doing in your life? And I will show you the clip that, that demonstrates that. Yeah, no, no. I agree. Actually, I agree that 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 you the people so. This is where we might disagree, right? I agree that people should be called to to examine themselves because the scripture says so. Um, but, I mean, it's, I mean, I think you you know you knew that I was probably gonna get to you know Second Corinthians thirteen five at some point, right? Where it says to examine yourself. Right. Um, so, but, uh, for, for the whole book of First John, the whole book of First John, um, you have to deal with also. So I want, I want you to play your clip, and then we can talk more about that afterwards. That way, I, I'm not derailing you too much. Cool, cool. Before you play that clip, let me uh, let me just for everybody out there, I am not a lordship salvation guy. Not only because I don't know uh, the history of it and what the controversy. I haven't studied enough to understand the controversy that was behind it and where everybody landed and what came about because of it. But I would reject the title of lordship salvation because I don't see that as a as a biblical distinction between making Christ your savior and making Christ. Yeah. Lord, I think I don't think that there's a biblical distinction there to be made. If if Christ is your Savior, then He is your Lord, and I would even say furthermore that He is uh, the King of King and King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and every knee will bow before Him. So you will either fall before Christ in repentance, or you will fall as a broken foe. Exactly. I want to I want to address that just real quick. Um, Go for it. So people who who um, who hold the lordship didn't name it themselves. Um, they were called to that. Uh, they were accused of it, and they just kind of went with it. Um, that nobody who who's in the lordship camp is going to talk say how you make Jesus Christ Lord, um, because I don't think anybody in their right mind who's been who's been given faith by God believes that they make God do anything. Um, so so that would be a. I, I understand that's how it, um, it comes across, but that's not what it teaches. 
Um, I think that if you go too far on either side, um, if you go too far and it's just about grace, then you end up in antinomianism. And if you go too much in, into the, that, the focus on obedience, you get into a workspace salvation. Um, and so I, I agree that there's that you can go too far one way or the other. Um, but um, but I, I, I want to discuss with you how a uh, right view, a right understanding of lordship doesn't do that. Um, okay. And and also want to let you play your clip. I think that's okay. helpful, Peter. Let me ask you a question. So I, I was taking notes while you were talking, and I do have some questions. How do you want to proceed? Do you want to you want to play the uh, the clip? How, how long is the clip? Yeah, and then do you want do you want to talk? Do you want to talk about okay? Well, do you want to talk about the clip, and then and then can I ask you questions after that based on, sure. on what yeah. you said? Let's just keep going. Let's just keep going on this. Sounds thing good. All right, go, go for it. There is one small gate, and his name is Jesus. But if you go through any other gate. You cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. You will not be saved. There is no hope for you. There is no gate except Christ. And all those who miss Christ, miss forgiveness, miss right standing with God, and enter into a devil's hell. When was the last time you heard a sermon on not only the gate, but the way? He says, there is one gate, but after that gate, there is a narrow way. If I were to look at most Baptist life today, most evangelical life, and were to reinterpret this text based on what I see in the lives of professing Christians, I would have to say this, the gate is narrow, but the way is broad that leads to life. My dear friend, a person is saved through faith in Jesus Christ. But most people today are not trusting in Christ. They're trusting in a decision they made a long time ago. They're trusting in the fact that they passed through certain evangelical hoops and said yes at every question that was asked them. Do you know you're a sinner? Yes. Do you want to go to heaven? Yes. Do you want to ask Jesus to come into your heart? Yes. Did you ask Him to come into your heart? Yes. Then you're saved. That is not scriptural at all. It's not found in scripture at all. It's not found in church history at all. But it is the way we do evangelism today. And that is why the great majority of people in America and in the church believe themselves saved when in fact they are not. And they prove they are not because although they claim to have walked through that one small gate, they live in the broad way. They look like the world, they act like the world, they talk like the world, and their lifestyle will be the very thing that condemns them on the day of judgment. But today, is it not true? Who can stand up and say any different? That the great majority of people, not only outside of the church, but inside of the church, say, yes, I've passed through that small gate. Yes, I've believed in Jesus Christ. But when you look at their life, they live just like the world. They have the same desires of the world. The only thing they do is they're religious and go to church on Sunday. But when you look at their life Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, there's no Christ. And when you look about their conversation and their desires and their dreams and their passion, there is no Christ. 
And when asked about the confidence of their salvation, they say, I prayed that prayer. They're trusting in a prayer. I made my decision. They're trusting in a decision. I believed at that moment. They're trusting in the sincerity of their decision. Instead of doing as our forefathers did, how do you know you're saved? I am looking unto Jesus Christ and have great assurance because I can see the changes He has wrought in my life and the way He disciplines me zealously and guards my life. They've got a little bit of religion. They go to church on Sundays. They're not passionate about the Word of God. They're not passionate about knowing Christ. They're not convicted of sin. They never weep over the sin in their life. They're never concerned about genuine fellowship with other believers. But they're in church every Sunday and they're pretty moral. But they do not grow in the things of God, nor in a passion toward God. That's the most dangerous type. And our church are filled with people like that. Salvation is a supernatural work of God. It is a recreating of the heart of the very core and essence of a human being. And if that person's heart or core has been transformed, their lifestyle will be transformed. I always often hear people say, well, you don't, you, you don't know what's in my heart. But the Bible says, don't have to know what's in your heart. It comes out of your mouth. That's why on Judgment Day it says they will be judged for their words. Because all their words come forth out of their heart. You can't judge a book by its cover, Pastor. Jesus didn't say that. He said just the opposite. Jesus said you can judge a book by its cover. You will know them by their fruits. Well, I may not live like a Christian, but in my heart I love... Do you know what the heart is? The heart in Scripture represents the very core essence of a human being. It is what a human being really is. When a man dies, that he's not there anymore. If you're ever there when someone dies, you just notice the body seems to just turn to clay, an inanimate thing. The moment that man breathes his last, the heart is a representation of the centrality of everything you are. So this is what you're telling me when you say, I may not look like a Christian, but in my heart I love Jesus. What you're saying is, Jesus Christ has changed the entire core of my being, and the entire core of my being is dedicated and in love with Jesus Christ, but it's not going to affect any other part of my life. Does that sound right to you? When Christ taught, the great rabbi as he was, he sat down. He was sitting there. A lot of times Christ, I mean, Christ is amazing. The personification of the book of Proverbs. You did not want to get into an argument with this man. And he sits there and he looks at them. You will know them by their fruits. Now let me ask you a question. Grapes aren't found on thorn trees, are they? And I can just hear the people, you know, Jesus, you're a carpenter and all that. You don't know a whole lot about agriculture, but you're right on the money right there. You're not going to find grapes on thorn trees, thorn bushes. It's got thorns on it, Jesus is not going to bear grapes. Well, you're not going to find thorns on a fig tree, right? 
There you go, Jesus. You're on the mark. What you're saying is true. Jesus, if anybody comes to you saying they've got a fig tree and it's got thorns on it, don't listen to them. They're either lying or they're insane. Jesus said, then in the same way, anyone who comes to me saying they're a Christian and they don't look like one, they're either lying or insane. You see how Jesus would catch men? Very dangerous debater, this man. Let me give you an example. I, this is an illustration I've used a million times. Let's say I arrive here late. The pastor's all upset. Everyone's angry with me. And I walk in the door. I'm late. I'm dressed like this. My hair's as combed as it gets. And, and the pastor goes, Brother Washer, what's the problem? You're half an hour late. Don't you appreciate the opportunity to preach in this church? I mean, the people have been waiting here and you just show up late. And I say, oh, brother, I'm sorry, but let me explain. I was coming down the highway here and uh, had a flat tire and had to take the lug nut off the tire. And when I took it off, well, it rolled out into the middle of the highway and I just wasn't thinking. So I walked out there into the highway and I picked up the lug nut. And when I stood up, there was a, a log truck weighing 30 tons going 120 miles an hour. And it was like five feet in front of me and it ran me over. And so that's why I'm late. He's going to say, you're a liar or you're insane. And I go, no, really, why can't you accept my word? He goes, you're out of your mind or you're an immoral man. And I say, but why? Explain this to me. He goes, it's impossible to have an encounter with a logging truck and not be changed. Then why is it possible for you to have an encounter with God and remain the same? Behold the power of your God, not even the strength of a truck. Let me ask you something first. Do you agree with what he said that if you have an encounter with God, you're, you will be changed? Yes, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I would say that that is fantastic preaching. How about you, Joseph? Of course. Okay. So in what way are you going to be changed? In knowledge or in your daily activity life? Um, well, one, one feeds into the other. Both. Okay. So how are you going to be changed in your knowledge? Yeah. So um, it might, So hold on. Um, well, I can answer. Okay, yeah, go go ahead. Yeah, you believe the gospel. I, here's What's the, the gospel? Well, you believe the, the, the gospel. So you you believe what God has told you. It might be might be the best way to do that, right? So, um, so God had, in earlier times hadn't completely revealed Himself, and to believe in what He said at that point in time was 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 what was right and good. Um, at this point, we have more information. I have to believe everything God tells me. Um, that would be. Um, that would be the, my answer to that. So that would be my knowledge, what God has revealed to me. Right. So, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's let's be careful there. Uh, Joseph, what do you mean that you have to believe everything that God tells you? Because um, they're, they're, I mean, so let's say you don't believe in a six-day creation, uh, and that just happens to be the right view, and God has told you about that. You're not saying... I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, so the, yeah, okay, so what, what I'm not saying is that, um, is that you have to perfectly understand everything... That he says, for example, um, I don't understand everything that's in Revelation. I I don't think that you have to perfectly have to have the right exact eschatological view to be saved. 
Right. Uh, so, so Peter asked, what, what is the gospel? Um, you know, I, I would give a summation of the gospel that the gospel is that you, uh, the, the gospel means good news. So you, you come to the understanding that you're a sinner, that you are in need of a savior, that you're going to stand before a holy and righteous God who's not going to turn a blind eye to your sin, and that you are in trouble on the day of judgment, and that there's nothing that you can do to fix it. There's nothing. There's no amount of good works that you can do to uh, to earn God's favor. And so you believe in the, you you believe that 2,000 years ago Jesus Christ came. That he was born of a virgin. That he is uh, the incarnate Son of God. That he is God in the flesh. Uh, that he. Uh, lived the perfect life and died on the cross for your sins, that he was a substitutionary atonement, that he uh, that he took your punishment and that through faith, by believing in him, that you, you can have everlasting life. And so the person would then believe in Christ as their only means of salvation, uh, not, not looking to Mother Mary, not looking to the saints, not looking to their good works, not looking to anything else, but, but believing in the satisfactory atonement of Jesus Christ on the cross for their sins on their behalf, that uh, so that that's what I would say is the gospel. Now, um, last week, Joseph and I, I really don't want to get into this again per se because I have a lot of other questions. Not Joseph, uh, Peter. Uh, I have a lot of other questions for you. But last week, uh, just for our listeners, you were adding uh, two other elements to that uh, limited atonement and uh, basically the the doctrines of election. Uh, and you're basically saying that um, unless a person understands that they that they did not choose God, but that God chose them, then so an Armenian, if he died as an Armenian, would not be saved. Uh, so that that's what I would say. I mean, I hope that answers your question as to what I believe the gospel is. Okay. So then, if I'm listening to that, and I'll say to you, okay. So then, does that mean everyone, anyone who can believe and choose that to believe in that, they're saved? Is that, is that what you're saying? I think that's a complex question because I don't think that anybody can choose to believe in that. I think that it's a it's a uh, it's a gift of faith. Faith is a gift. Regeneration is a gift. I believe that regeneration precedes faith. I don't necessarily believe that a person uh, necessarily needs to know or understand that in order to be saved because I wouldn't add that to the gospel, but I, I, no, but, I but let's just pretend I'm, I'm the person that you're preaching to. So I say to you, okay, so by what you're saying is anyone who believes in something like that can be saved, right? Can, can I make a point of Wait, wait, hold, hold on, hold on. Okay. Yeah. Go for it, Joseph. Yeah. It's just, um, so yes, we make a real choice. I still say it's the grace of God, um, that we would make that choice. Um, so is there a choice that happens? Absolutely. Uh, just like, uh, you know, Joshua said, choose on this day whom you will serve. Well, anybody who chose to serve God is who God decided would choose to serve him. But they still made a choice. It's not a I'm not advocating any kind of free will argument, um, but I'm also going to call what the Bible call it what the Bible calls it, which is a choice. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. Um, OK, so I, I don't okay. believe that a person has the ability to respond uh, favorably to the gospel unless God first regenerates their hearts. And uh, I think R.C. Sproul in his book uses the example of Lazarus, that the, the call for Lazarus went out, you know, to come forward out of the grave, but God first had to make him alive in order that he would be able to respond. But what do we see is that we do see that, that Lazarus does respond. And so people do respond to the gospel after they've been made alive, because as it says in Ephesians 2, uh, verse 1 and 2, I believe it says, uh, uh, 
for you were dead in your trespasses and sins, following the course of this world and the spirit of uh, the spirit that's now in work in the sons of disobedience. Now, I may have butchered that, but the the part to highlight is that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And so, if you were to light a fire to the morgue, the dead people are not going to get up and and flee the fire. The only a living person is going to respond, and and so likewise, only a living person. Uh, is is going to only a person who's spiritual spiritually alive is going to respond favorably to uh, to, to having faith and repentance and things so like that. So how does a person become spiritually alive? Well, God regenerates I, how, them. God, I, God regenerates them. So how do I get God to regenerate me? You, you don't. You don't. He, he chooses you. Well, he, he chooses what do you mean by that? Uh, uh, God I, I has can't, chosen, I can't choose God, God. I can't choose to be regenerated. I can't pray. I can't. Do a certain prayer. I can't go to church for that. I can't get some favor out of that. Your, your choice no. is not outside the realm of God's sovereignty. But but here's the thing. I don't know why we're arguing this because no, not, we both I'm not, agree. I'm, I'm 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 bringing up a hypothetical situation. Right, but but we both agree. So, well, you you and I both agree on these things. No, so, but this is what I'm asking you. Every time when you start witnessing to somebody. It's not as simple as easy as just believe in Jesus, they die on the cross, because they're going to ask you questions all the time. And yeah, that's always, fine. It's always going to lead to these kind of questions I'm asking you. Why right. did God create us? Why did God make me and to send me to hell? He already knows that I'm going to sin. So do you, do you think that, do you think that uh, somebody has to, let me ask you, do you believe in uh, double predestination? No, I'm asking you a question. Okay, okay, well, this is a conversation. I don't know what you're talking so, about right now. So I'm asking no, you a question right now. I'm we're at, talking about the gospel, right? How you're right. preaching the gospel. And what okay. is the gospel? Now, this, you're saying to me that the last show, I'm talking about election. I'm talking about certain doctrines that you need to understand. So, And I say that because it's in the Bible. It's biblical. If you read every apostle, every epistle, Paul or Peter opens up by saying, elect chosen by God. Elect. Uh, to God's elect scattered throughout the Pontus, uh, Asia, whatever. It always opened up, and they always say, elect, elect, chosen by God. Why is that? Why, why do they do that? And why Romans 8, 28 to 30, Paul talks about election, predestination, being chosen before the foundation of the world in Ephesians 1. Why does he talk about that kind of stuff? All these letters and epistles, they're not written to the worldly people. They're written to God's elect people for them to know. It's not for the world to understand. It's a secret, it's a mystery, right? So when so I'm talking, you're, saying, you're when, saying that hold on, hold on. You're saying that these letters are written to Christians. They're they're written for the elect, yes. Okay, so uh, how are how are these people Christians? If uh, were, were they Christians first before they got the letters, or were they were they not saved until they got the letters and then fully knew and understood and embraced all of these things? Yeah, particularly Romans. Yeah. They're written for the elect. So okay, meaning, and, and, and so so when Paul's chosen, writing. When Paul's writing to the, to these people, he acknowledges that they are brothers, that they are saved before they have an understanding of, of these deeper uh, issues in, uh, of, of Christianity, before they have a, a, an understanding of the, uh, the doctrines of election or soteriology. He's not uh, writing just, it there. He's, he's, he's I just want to point that to out to you. Him. Okay, so what I'm saying is you can't just read it and say these people didn't know already. He's mentioned it in there. Meaning maybe he's reassuring them because Peter, yeah, well, well, Peter, when Peter writes to them in the epistle, Peter says, I'm writing as a, in remembrance to you, mm -hmm. right? I'm reminding you of these things, elect right. children. And, and, so, and what was that? He was writing them uh, to remind them of the gospel. Right. And he's reminding them that they're elect, 
chosen. Right, they and so like, like Ephesians, things, right? the, the, the church at Ephesus wasn't even started by Paul. And, and Paul never even, never even visited the, the church of Ephesus. He writes to the church of Ephesus while he's in prison. Okay. So, so I mean. What's your point? I, so, so let me. Well, let me, well in, that, in that letter, he tells them that they were dead in, in, in their trespasses and sins. But he acknowledges that they're that they're Christians, that they're that they're that it's a, that's that they're they're saints. Right, they're elect. Now, but how's how is he acknowledging? How's okay? So here's here's we're getting into this again. You asked me what. No, uh, I'm, I'm asking you. Yeah, I'm asking yes. you. So when you when you're presenting a gospel to somebody and they're going to ask you questions, right? They're going to ask you this this main question, which they all ask. How is it? God is fair that when he, he knows I'm going to sin and he creates me anyway, he says, send me to hell. How is that fair? Okay. And now you're telling and, me I can't choose him? He's just going to choose some some, wait, some some people? Like, how is that fair? What does that mean to me? Most people actually don't get into the deeper doctrinal questions often. I mean, just from my personal experience, like I said, I do a lot of open-air evangelism and door-to-door witnessing. I'm out, I'm out, you know, a few days out of the week to do this. What you're, what you're saying, it happens on a regular basis to get into those questions is not super common. That usually comes up in a Bible study or something. And, and, oh, no. and, and I'll just, just tell you from personal experience, I'm not, obviously that's not a litmus test. My personal experience is not the litmus test. But I'm saying that the, that you're, the specific question you're asking, yes, they do come up, but it's not with any serious regularity. Um, some people have a hard time with that, have been exposed to some stuff already, right? And they say, well, you, you know, somebody already told them their arguments against God and how God's not fair, he made people this. And some of those people ask that, but it's not, it's, I mean, really, it's not normal I, to, to get into that. Those are those are things that I end up getting to because I'm not leaving any of the God, any any of the word of God out, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm not going out of my way to make sure that you know you need you need to understand the exact doctrines of grace right now. I want them to 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 deal with uh, their need for a savior and repentance and faith, um, because if they don't um, if they don't repent and believe, all they're doing is being full of doctrine on the doctrines of grace, and they're going to hell uh, without faith. Uh, with just knowledge. Peter, you asked me to tell you what the gospel was. I, I tried to give you a, I thought a pretty good um, answer. So I, I believe that you had a point that you wanted to make after I gave you my answer. Why, why don't we just pick it up from there? Um, okay. So because we're, we're arguing the same stuff that we argued last week. Okay. So Paul Washer in that clip. What he's honing in on a lot oh, is. By the way, can I can I just okay before you before you make that clip before you start in on that, um, I just want to make it clear to everybody that that was a sermon jam, and so there are bits and pieces of that that I mean it it sounded to me like there were parts of that and I didn't I didn't see the video. This wasn't the the exact same video that you sent me from earlier, but uh, pieces taken out of actual sermons in which he makes a clip. So a lot of the, uh, if it's taken out of context, I just want to point that out. Um, and to, to give Paul Washer a fair hearing, the person that actually, if, if they're going to criticize him, would actually need to go back and listen to what each clip sa- uh, in which he said, the, the whole sermon, uh, because it could have been the, the editor just taking things out of comment uh, context in order to make a cool video. So I just want to point that out. Uh, I'm going to let you make your case based off of this, which uh, which is the clip that we played, which, by the way, uh, from, from a first glance, I thought it was outstanding. I thought it was excellent. So uh, I really enjoyed listening to it. So go go ahead, Peter. Okay. Um, 
I didn't make that clip, first of all, so I want to say that. <laughs> so I don't want to be ganging up on Paul there, but I didn't make that clip. Uh, having said that, I've heard a lot of his sermons. We don't have time to play that whole entire segment, uh, that whole entire segment. But I've heard a lot of his sermons, and they're always revolving around the same thing. Works plus believism. Believism plus works in order to prove that you're saved, in order to prove that you're walking right with God. Because as you said, Joseph, this whole Lordship Salvation uh, birth came about trying to reprove easy believism. Uh, so when Paul is saying, you know, it's easy for you just to confess uh, a faith, and this is what he's talking about here, uh, Timmy, when, when you're saying what's wrong with just asking people if they believe in Jesus Christ. Well, he's saying here, you know, with these people are just confessing that they believe and they repeat a prayer and they receive Jesus in their heart and they think they're saved. And then he's saying, but you got to do more than that. You, what are you, how are you living your life? Your life, your lifestyle's got to be changed. You got to walk and live a certain lifestyle, right? Okay. So now he's, he's pinning them upon believism plus works. Now I have to also include something. Good works is something easy that anyone can do. Anybody can play religion. Anybody can go to church. Anyone can just be brought up as a Christian all their lives and just be taught in a doctrine of of the gospel right so anyone can just go to church and do all the ritualistic acts anyone who lives such a bad life who decides to just like i don't follow his girlfriend or his wife or trying to turn a new leaf and try to regenerate himself go to church try to walk well do good do charitable works so all that stuff a man can do on his own as well so when paul is asking you to just look at yourself and see what you're doing examine yourself being leading people to think this is the main focus and I need to always check upon myself to confirm that I'm walking the faith. That's just leading people away from looking at the cross and Christ alone and his faith alone and, and grace alone. That Christ is our full justification, that he's our full righteousness, that he's our full sanctification. That any works that we're going to be doing, we have to trust that God is mighty enough and sovereign enough to bring it out of us. He's going to do it because what God wills will be done. And he's going to use us as vessels to do those works, to do the good work. So we have to have confidence in that. We can't just be preaching and pointing people. You got to look at yourself and see what you're doing because you're not taking people away from Christ. They're okay. always looking and monitoring themselves. Yeah. So I, I think for for discussion purposes, and, and I appreciate the way that you just did this, Peter. So um, uh, I'm just laying the groundwork uh, based off of what you've already done. But uh, I think just for conversation purposes, it would be good for us to just make one point, talk about it, uh, elaborate on it. So you did a very good job of that. And now we can talk about that before we go on to other, other points. I know that, um, Joseph, it looks like you're chomping up at the bit to say something, but I'm going to interrupt you and I'll, I'll, I'll let you say something, uh, real fast. I want to, I want to ask Peter, um, so you said, uh, believism plus works in order to prove that you're, that you're, uh, saved or uh, that was one of the things that you talked about. Do you, do you, are you able to make a distinction between uh, faith and works as a, as a demonstration for somebody being saved versus faith and works as a means of salvation? Because when, when, uh, when, you said you said, it sounded like you said uh, that 
he's adding works to faith in order to show that that they're saved and you're condemning that but i'm i'm asking in your mind is there is there allowance for a distinction between someone trying to demonstrate the, the their salvation and somebody and the means by which somebody is is saved i'm not really understanding what you're trying to say there okay yeah, joseph so, do you understand yeah let me uh so um, let, let me let me try to explain it one more time and then if i can't then joseph you can you can ask so faith faith and works um you were saying in order to prove that that you're saved or in order to demonstrate that that a person is saved okay now that would just be a a mere demonstration of you know I, this is what i believe and you know there's evidence of of the fact that i'm i'm converted that would be uh, merely a a demonstration i will show you my faith by my works but that is not the means by which somebody is being saved and, and that's that's a distinction that paul that that you're not making with regards to paul washer so paul washer is not saying that faith plus works is the instrumental cause of our salvation or is the means by which we are saved he is saying that it is the 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 way in which a person shows that they're that they're saved um are you are you because you're not making a distinction there you, you're taking faith plus works as as a, as a demonstration of of our faith that we're actually saved and you're applying that to faith plus works as the means by which we are saved you're not making a distinction there and i'm asking in your in your mind are you are you willing to make that distinction are you able to make that distinction is in, in your mind is there a distinction there to be made what i know that paul was trying to get across in that message is you have to look at your confession plus your works to confirm that you're safe and you got to keep on living that kind of lifestyle to confirm that you're safe to have the assurance of your salvation that's what he's saying in that message okay just you, 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 you disagree with my interpretation of it? no no i actually i i i think i think you're what you're saying um i i can't say that like logically it, it seems inconsistent with what he's saying uh, my, so my, my, here's my question. Um, so, so I, you're you're basically saying if you tell somebody to to look at how they live as a as a means to to know whether or not they're in the faith um, is wrong, right? Is that correct? I, yes, that's right. Okay, hundred percent. I yeah. I wouldn't judge. I wouldn't go to a Christian and say, look at how you're living to 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 be able to have assurance okay. that you're that you're a true Christian, that you're really in Christ. So I'm but, gonna I'm gonna focus a lot um, of my res response out of uh, let, me, let me let me see if I can get through this a little bit with uh, with First John um, and because First John you know he writes this so that their their joy may be complete um, so that they know they have eternal life. Hey Joseph, I'm sorry I've I've got to interrupt you uh, because this is a really critical point uh, that uh, and and I apologize for having to do this, uh, Peter. I I agree with you. Um, our assurances is found in, in the work of Christ alone. I would I would just say that the um, that the, the works are an evidence of saving faith. So I, I want I want to make that clear that I'm not saying, and I want to get into this a little bit later. But I'm not I'm not saying to anybody that hey you you need to look to your your own works as the sole uh, affirmation of your your salvation or or uh, the fact that you believed 
that's uh, that's exactly what the problem in, in Matthew seven twenty one through twenty three was. They they profess Christ and then they they look to their works as the assurance of their salvation. So just just because uh, that that is I think that is so key to where we stand. I needed to point that out that I'm in I'm in agreement with you, Joseph. I'll, I'll let you continue, and I do apologize for having to interrupt. Uh, Joseph, uh, you're going to First John, like which chapter? I, so I, I can I can start at the beginning of it. Um, but I also so, so really quick, I'm going to affirm that it's it's your if you look to your to your works as the, as the sole means of uh, of your faith or somebody's faith, then I think you're wrong to do that. Um, let me uh, let me dial over here real quick, um, and I want to go to. Um, there we go. First John chapter one. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of like breeze through and I'll reference the, 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 the verses that I'm on. So then that way you can confirm I'm, I'm doing this right. Um, so, you know, verse four, these things I write to you so that your joy may be made complete. Uh, verse seven, uh, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of uh, Jesus. His son cleanses us from all sins. Um, the Verse uh, chapter two, verse three. By wait, wait, this, so, so, so what verse seven saying to you? Seven. Yeah. When you bring that up, what, what's your purpose of bringing that up? But we okay, walk so, in the light. So, so, you know, light. Yeah. I, these are these are positive affirmations. I, I skip past verse five uh, through six. So let me let me let me clarify. Uh, so this is a message you have heard from him that we announce to you that God is light and him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Um, so like if I said that, you know, for example, maybe you can, you can clarify on this cause I was kind of curious about this. If I say I hold to sovereign grace theology and acknowledge all of these things, but still walk in darkness, I'm, am I, am I saved because I have that, that awareness? Well, when you say verse seven, but we, we walk in the light as you, in the in light. The light. What, yeah. what does that mean to you? What does that mean? Like if we walk in the light, what does that mean? Well, it, it means to, to, to walk in the, in the manner of him and he'll, he'll repeat this later cause John repeats himself a lot. That they walk in, the, he'll say uh, in a bit, walk in the same manner in which he walked, right? Um, so the the point being getting across is being Christ-like. Um, the, the point that John is making is one of hypocrisy, and mm -hmm. and that that's exactly what Paul Washer was was preaching against. He was preaching against hypocrisy. He his sermon is actually perfect uh, placement for either James or a, John. A, it's the wrong hypocrisy. He's pointing people. Is my point. He's pointing to works rather than grace. Right. No, no. So, so that, but, but here, really quick, just, just that one question. Um, let's say I have an intellectual assent to all of the, all, all of your sovereign grace doctrine, right? Um, uh, the, the, and, and I, and that uh, I believe that God's grace is sovereign and sovereign grace. But I'm, I'm specifically referring to your, your sovereign grace doctrine, or as you would refer, refer to the adherence of a gracers. Um, um I, hey, Joseph, real quick. So intellectual assent is faith. Um, you, you're I, I, you're, you're talking about intellectual knowledge. You understand, yes. but you don't give assent to the propositions okay. of the gospel. Thank you. That was helpful, actually. I'm sorry. Um, the um, so if I if I said I agree with you in all these things, um, but and I still lived, um, if I you know I was an alcoholic, constantly lied, slandered everybody, um, and slept with prostitutes on a daily basis. Um, I think first John makes the argument um, that I'm a liar and the truth is not in me. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you agree with that. But I, what, what do you think? Uh, a, 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 real, a real simple way to ask, Peter, is do you believe that somebody can, can make a false profession of faith? That somebody can profess to be, be a believer 
and actually not be a believer and the evidence is laid out in the way that they that they live but what does paul say about being able to believe in the gospel you have to be spiritually discerned right which paul washer or paul the apostle sorry that's a genuine question paul the apostle okay when when he wrote in, in corinthians that the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing but they can't believe because they're not spiritually discerned so in order for anyone to truly to be able to believe the true gospel they must be spiritually discerned yeah i understand what you're saying but what i'm asking is um and and so you didn't answer the question um can can, can somebody falsely profess the the sovereign uh, grace doctrine um and that might just be the question can they falsely profess it um but 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 prove by how they live uh, that they don't truly believe it. I don't know. Can someone falsely? It's a, it's a, it's a, no, 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 no. I'm asking what you what, what your answer to the question is. It's a yes or no question. Um, there there's not a so so can can is that possible? It's either a okay. yes or it is possible or no. It's not possible. Okay. So when you say can they believe the true gospel? So I would have to say no because of yeah. all these components that I'm gonna. But that's not what I asked. I said can they falsely profess it? No. They can't, so, they can't, I mean, they can't, uh, if they haven't been regenerated, they can't just sit there and say they, they agree to all these doctrines because it wouldn't make any sense to them. It goes against everything that's, okay, that's so, in a natural so, carnal minded man to agree to. Okay, so, so the, here, here's what I'm, what I'm getting at. So if they profess that, but then live in a way that's completely contrary, you know, they're doing all the things I said, all the sins and every day um, for the rest of their whole lives. Um, but they but they hold to that you're saying that because they hold to that they're saved i'm saying what i just said was they can't say that they believe it and do that it doesn't work like that you can't because if you're not you haven't been regenerated you can't actually believe in all this too wait a minute, wait a minute. So, so we're not talking about whether or not somebody can actually believe the gospel we're talking about whether or not somebody can actually can say that they believe the gospel. So do you think that it's possible for somebody to say, I believe in the gospel, Jesus Christ is my Lord, and um, and not be saved, and make a, fal- uh, a false profession of, of, of faith? That I can believe, yeah. I, I can, I, obviously, there's a lot of people who do that, right? A lot of people just easy believism, for example. Yeah. So, so okay. what, what I'm saying is they, they agree with you, they, they, they profess to agree with you 100% doctrinally, and they say those words coming out of your mouth, but that could be a false profession, right? What, that they just believe the gospel, that they believe Jesus died? No, 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 that they believe, that they believe, like, let's say you, like, you went through all of your teaching, right? All of your teaching on the gospel, right? And, and, and sovereign grace, and, they, and they're, they're, they're a self-professing gracer, um, but could they be lying about that? I'm, and I think they can, but I, I'm not. It seemed like you said they couldn't a minute ago, so I just want clarification. Yeah, I, the, the, the Bible teaches that right. these things are spiritually discerned, and you have to be gifted to be able to understand it. It just goes, why is it, I'm not a, I'm not a smart person. I'm a university dropout, came from credit short. I hated studying, I hate reading, okay? Why is it that I understand these truths, and I believe in it, and I hold, I hold it so near to my heart, when there are people who are very studious, super intelligent, who has been in the faith all their lives. I've only been a Christian for, what, six years. People who have been following it for 20, 30, 40 years and reading the Bible, doing every study, even in seminary and out of seminary. How come they don't understand it? How come they don't get it? How can how come they can't grasp it? It's not because I'm smarter than them. They're very intelligent people, you know, having double diplomas and everything. 
they studied Greek, they studied Hebrew, they still can't get this little truth that's so simple to understand. Simple to us because we've been gifted to understand it. But to them, it's held, it's a mystery. So I won't so, release it to them to know. So it's not based upon our intelligence or what we're able so, to grasp. So yeah. you're, you're basically saying that nobody could, could, could say they believe that and still be saved. It's an, it's, it goes, but that's, I'm just, I'm, 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 try, I'm just trying to get a yes or no. But the answer is no. The answer is no. They cannot, they cannot on their own carnal mind believe in this doctrine. No, 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 no. You're making a category error. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really, it's really interesting that this, this keeps happening because you're making a category error. We, we are asking not if somebody can actually believe something like this apart from, you know, just, just on their own, apart from the sovereignty of God regenerating them, uh, giving them life so that they can believe it. We are asking if somebody can say that they believe it and actually not believe it, and then that, that be evidenced by the way that they live. Let, let me go ahead and follow. Let, let me. That's what I'm saying. They can't say that they believe it if they don't believe it. Why would they say they believe it if they don't because believe it? Because they're liars. <laughs> because. Uh, or are they trying to gain points or something? Do, no, 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 no. Like, so so one person. No, this is, the, this is the, the exact argument John's dealing with, right? If someone says that they walk in the light, if someone professes like that, that, that they're a Christian, that they're that they're a brother, uh, and, and you know, I'll just I'll just note the that, light here is walking under grace to know and understand the doctrines of grace as as he is in the light, as Jesus Christ is in the grace, right? No, it's not like walking and doing the thing. I, I wouldn't say Christ is in, in 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 grace that he did he that he is it he gives it. Um, that it that he it comes from him. It's, it's it's his graciousness is one of his attributes, but but that he dwells in it, I wouldn't I wouldn't like like Peter, we dwell. Peter, let me let me ask you a question. So I mean, if we go to James chapter two, and, and I I want to go there. James chapter two verse fourteen. Let me let me pull it up on my on my little smartphone. Um, verse five says, "This is sorry. This is this then is the message which we have heard of him." And declared unto you that God is light. What does that mean? That God is works, or is that God is grace? And in Him there is no darkness at, at all. So what what is the darkness? Unbelief, darkness is right? Works. Oh, no, uh, darkness the, is the, the the light is the truth, knowledge, truth. I mean, Jesus is the light uh, that came he, into the world. He's full and, of grace and truth, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody says, I, I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm okay. So in James chapter two verse fourteen. So let me ask you this: Do you believe that that with with the exception of maybe a deathbed conversion, and and I still have to, um, with the exception of you know somebody who's not able to walk this out, do you believe that works are not part of faith. So I, I need to make that very clear because that, that would be heretical. That would be going into Roman Catholicism. Works are not part of faith, but they are a a consequence of faith. Do you they're, believe, they're do you believe that? They're of faith, right? Yeah. Okay, great. Do you believe, so, so you believe that works are a, a necessary uh, product of faith? Yes. It's going to be worked out of us, right? Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Because I want, I want to point this out is, is that you can you can use the the method of affirming and the 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 method of denying. So if p then q uh, formula. So if if p equals work faith, and q equals works. If p then q, if somebody has faith, then they'll have works. 
So the person does have faith, therefore they have works. Um, that, that's exactly what, what James and John are talking about. And if, I'm really glad that you agree with that because the question then becomes, what if somebody doesn't have works? And, and so, so for this, we would use the, the method of denying. If P, then Q, if somebody has faith, then they'll have works. They do not have works. Therefore, it's evident that they, that they don't have faith. And so you, you actually just said, I'm, I'm really glad that you said that, that, that works are a necessary consequence of faith. That they're, they're, it's, not added, it's not added to faith. It's not part of faith, but it's a necessary consequence of faith. And so all throughout James and, um, and uh, 1 John, I mean, 1 John 2, 4, uh, 1 John 3, 8 through 9, James 2, 14, these are all verses that, that somebody can, can use the method of denying uh, which is the modus tollens argument. The first one, the method, method of affirming is the modus ponens argument. And let me, let me just go ahead and, and work this out even further. A lot of people will, will commit the fallacy of asserting the consequent in this as well. That would be a violation of the first one, the, the method of affirming. So they'll say, if P then Q, Q therefore P. If a person has faith, then they will have works. Now they do have works, therefore they have faith. Now that's that's fallacious. That that's a fallacy. So when you look at the people in Matthew seven, and you say, well, they have works, so therefore they must have had faith. Well, that that's uh, that's basically what Matthew seven twenty one through verse twenty three is talking about. These people, just because somebody has has what what look like exemplary works, does not necessarily mean that they actually have faith. And so, I mean, you know, so they don't have faith. Well, no, we're no, not, no, no, we're not saying. No, we're not saying I'm not saying that they don't. I'm not saying that they don't. I'm saying that you can't uh, you can't infer faith from works because uh, you know Mormons they they have exempt what, what what mankind would now we, we would both recognize that these works are not good works at all, but from from the, the standard of mankind people would look at them and say well you know they they they're happily married they have wonderful children they they hold jobs they're good citizens, and and so. That would be the fallacy of, uh, of affirming the consequent, but then you also have the fallacy of denying the antecedent, which is the violation of the modus, uh, the modus tollens argument, which is if P then Q, not P, therefore not Q, uh, which is if, if a person has faith, then they will have works. They do not have faith, therefore they do not have works. And that's, that's also a violation because, uh, like we said before, um, somebody can, can not have faith, and and still, you know, by by everybody's standards, it's like people will say, well, they're a good person. So the the question then becomes, you acknowledge that that works are a necessary consequence of faith. That if somebody is truly saved, right? If somebody truly is is a believing in in Christ, if they're truly saved, that they will have faith. So what do you do then with somebody who says? I don't, uh, who says, I believe, I believe, I believe. I prayed a prayer 50 years ago, and yet sort of like what Joseph was saying, that they are living like dogs, that they're sleeping around. And it's it's really sad because you see people like this in church. You see people who go every Sunday, they sing the, they sing the songs, and then you meet them in the workplace, and they're sleeping around with women. They have no conscience. It's They're doing all sorts of things, and, and you just – you look at them and you're saying, well, I thought you were a Christian. Now, in James 2, 4, chapter 2, verse 14, 
he addresses this. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? That faith is, is referencing that profession of faith because it says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says, if someone says he has faith? but he doesn't have works. Can that profession of faith save him? Because that's what we're dealing with here. And so that's basically, essentially, what Paul Washer is, is addressing. He's addressing exactly what James is addressing, and he's, he's addressing exactly what First John is addressing, the issue of hypocrisy. So you, I'm, I'm, wondering, I'm wondering how you're going to reconcile this, because you've already said that a person can't, say, can't, can't be a false professor. A person can't say that, uh, that that oh I believe, uh, and, and actually not believe. But that's exactly what James is talking about. In in Galatians, it's it's really interesting because in Galatians two four, uh, Paul says uh, he says, uh, yet because of false brother false brothers secret, secretly brought in who slipped slipped in to spy out our our freedom that we have in Christ, so that uh, they might bring us into slavery. He he acknowledges that there's false brothers. People who will say that they're brothers, but they're not—they're not truly brothers, because they haven't believed in, in, the, in the true gospel, and that is evidence. The fact that they have not believed in the true gospel, going back to to, to James, is because they're liars and they're hypocrites. They—they—they they, they have no—they have no evidence of this, and they have no works. So that was pretty long. I, I want you to uh, tell me how you would reconcile that. Okay. What constitute to you guys works? It works. How do you judge a person to know they're a Christian by watching their works? What do you say? Okay, well, you can go to Galatians. Um, well, first of all, okay, you can't. This is the fallacy of asserting the consequent. You cannot affirm a person's uh, faith, or uh, you can't. You can't affirm a person's salvation by pointing to their works. Um, they 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 have to have they have to be, actually believe in the true propositions of of the gospel. In order to be saved, but you can go to uh, Galatians, uh, talking about. And so this, this if you is, can't, if you can't affirm a person that they're a real Christian or not by their works, then why is by their works Paul, alone? By their works alone. That's because that's, that, not what that's, I'm saying. that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying okay. when you're looking at a Christian, and he says he's a Christian, but you're also saying, show me some works to prove your faith, which is what James is saying. So, what kind of works are you looking for? Uh, fruits of the Spirit, and. and well, if you go to so we're talking about fruits and and Paul Washer, I I I believe in Matthew seven twenty one through uh, actually thirteen through Matthew seven thirteen through twenty three, it's it's the context is talking about uh, false teachers and so uh, the fruit primarily in that context is talking about doctrine, but Paul Washer and, and he acknowledges that because he says you're going to have uh, teachers come in and they're going to tell you all these all these crazy things and it's going to be uh, I forgot what he said, like uh, six flags over Texas, you know, in your church. And so so he acknowledges that, that their teaching is going to be false. But in the broader context of Scripture, and this is what Paul Washer says, uh, you you have uh, the fruits of the Spirit versus the fruits of the flesh in, in, Galatians, uh, in Galatians chapter 5. And I'll go ahead and read it. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, enviness, drunkenness, orgies, and the and the and things like these. I warned you I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruits of the spirit 
is joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, uh, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so, so James is, is basically addressing what you've denied. That's, and it, it's, if, if it's not even possible for somebody to make a profession of faith and not actually be saved, I mean, I'm just wondering, what about the people in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, who's, who all their life said, Lord, Lord, and they professed Christ, but they, they didn't know him at all. Uh, I, I don't see how you can reconcile that. And, and I, don't even, I don't even understand why James would write what he's writing if what you're saying is true. Because if it's not even possible, then what, what in the world is James trying to address? Well, like I asked you, how much works are you going to measure in order to confirm someone's a true Christian, right? Because that's what Paul washes teaching throughout this sermon. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. He's he's asking repeatedly, check your style, lifestyle. What kind of a lifestyle are you are you living? And he's, he's saying fruits is is works rather than knowledge. He's saying that you, know, you not, don't look like one. You don't look like a Christian. You don't talk like a Christian. You don't walk like a Christian. Over knowledge and and and. First John makes those assertions the same way, though. It's if you say you know him and you walk in darkness, you're a liar and do not practice the truth. He's talking about you, 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 if you walk in darkness, if you walk in the way of darkness, if you're doing these things, even though you say this, you're a liar. First John, First John, absolutely. No, no, no I, know, I know what you're getting at. Yeah. But, but, what, but First John, to me, he's talking about the difference between grace and works. People are believing that they're saved by grace. I'm just talking about his plain speech. So, right. so Peter, you said you said that 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 works are a necessary consequence of faith, okay? Mm -hmm. So, what do you do? Because this is exactly what Paul Washer is trying to address. What do you do when you see someone professing to be a Christian and saying, "Well, I prayed a prayer, I'm good," and yet there there's no works, which are a necessary consequence of. So, if a person has saving faith, then then they will they will manifest that through works. They, they, will, they will show that through works. And this is exactly what James is talking about. In, in James 2, verse 18, it says, uh, But someone will say, You have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, which you can't do. And I will, sh uh, and I will show you my faith by my works. So, you, so how do you reconcile that in your thinking? If you, if you see someone saying, I believe, I believe, I believe. Now, let me also throw out a little caveat here. Uh, Christians deal with sin, and I, I need everybody to hear me on this because Christians deal with sin. You you are not going to live a perfect life here in this in this earth. You, you have uh, Moses in the wilderness. He sinned uh, grievously when he struck the stone, uh, and God told him to to speak to the stone. Uh, you have David and Bathsheba. You know pe people sin. So. I'm not saying that you have to live a perfect life. What I'm saying is that there is a total absence of, of anything regenerate in this person's life. And, and even, even when you try to confront them with, hey, you know what, that's kind of sinful what you're doing, they say, oh, that's cool, I don't care. And they have, they have no conviction of the Holy Spirit. I mean, uh, um, so what do you do with that, Peter, if, if, you, if you see some, if somebody's saying that they have faith, but there's not a, a shred of evidence in, in, in their life to give evidence to that. Are, are you saying that they're actually saved? If they just sit there and do no work? Yeah. Well, hold on. Hold on. A person, let me, let me, a person let me just clarify real quick. Uh, I, uh, the, so if they, 
And so, so, so just because I want to deal with your, your doctor specifically, they, they say they hold that, right? But, they, but, but nothing comes of it as far as their, their life. They're not, they're not, uh, they're not, their life doesn't change. Um, like the, you know, almost like the, the, the getting hit by the, the log truck analogy. They, they say they, they believe, but there's no, there's no, they, they don't do anything. There's no works. There's, it doesn't, they don't exist. Um, the, um, the, how, how do you, how do you, um, if you, if you if you're you can't say at the same time that um, that if somebody intellectually holds to these things um, that they say that they believe these things uh, these doctrines then they, they can't falsely say that and then say well if somebody falsely says that or if somebody says that and they don't work that they believe it so what your life what, your life is obviously going to be changed your so so you're saying if there's no work if, if there's no change then they don't actually believe it right. Yeah, if you're still living and thinking carnally as you were before and lusting after those little things even in your heart yeah. and thoughts and having no guilt and sin and stuff like that, of course you haven't been regenerated and you're still an unbeliever. That's the basis of, of lordship, um, uh, is that, that, that there's a fundamental change that happens when you, when you come to faith. The basis of lordship salvation is that there's a fundamental change when you come to faith and you should be able to see that change because the Bible says you should. Okay, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I, know, I understand what you're saying, but this Peter, is not Peter, being, what, what you just hold on, said. This is not what's being preached. Yeah, what you just said is so, exactly what Paul Washer's saying. No, this is what I'm telling you. He says that, but he also inserts works that you have to. That's your, that's your assurance of your salvation. That you have to look into your works. I don't look I, into my works as a, as an assurance for my salvation. It, it's, it's, it's both. It's, it's faith. It's faith and works. If First, it's faith. I mean, go to go to First John uh, three twenty three. While you're, while you're looking that up, I'm, uh, hold on. Hold go ahead. So let me finish quoting what they're teaching here, right? So then you can truly understand the full context of what they're teaching. Because, like I said, I'm not denying that these guys are not preaching grace. I'm not denying that these guys are not preaching election, predestination, justification. They're preaching all that stuff, but they're adding other things into it, which no. is, for example, like this. Steve Lawson, I wanted a sermon. He preaches this. He says, God is pressing you for a decision. And he says, what is it to meet the terms of peace with God? He says, the answer is this. The terms to meet the peace with God is the exchange is not bought with real money, but it is purchased with the total, complete surrender of your life to Christ. That is what saving faith is. He says, it is this, saving faith is, have I come to this place of total commitment of my, in my life? If you will take a step of faith, he said, and come to this narrow gate and commit your life to him, fight the strength of his words, and as he said, he will come to me, I will in no wise cast out. This is saving faith. So let me, let me respond to that real quick. Um, so what, what I don't want to get confused is the, uh, is the outworkings of faith with a means of salvation, right? Mm -hmm. So faith produces those things that he's mm -hmm. talking about. Mm -hmm. um, just because he doesn't explain that faith produces those things doesn't mean he's teaching a false gospel. Uh, so for example, uh, when wait, Jesus- wait, 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 so hold on. When he says- well, When Jesus says the same thing, you don't say he's preaching a false gospel. When Jesus says, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, just because he didn't say, you're gonna do that by faith first, and it's solely as a monergistic work of God, doesn't mean Jesus is preaching a false gospel so what we can't do and i just want to be careful here what we can't do is say when somebody preaches like jesus they're doing it wrong 
what Jesus is trying to teach us that no man can do what he's asking them to do. No, no, I understand. He said, Jesus, oh, but yeah, but, you, but Jesus didn't say that in that spot, right? If somebody preaches like Jesus preached when he, when, when he did, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm specifically referencing, and so, so that, way, that way you know where I'm at. Um, let me pull this up over here. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, well, is, is Luke, um, yeah, Luke, so Luke 9, 23 and 24. And he said to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake is the one who will find it. Um, so he's, he's, he's calling them to deny themselves, but he's not, he's not explaining to them at that moment. At that moment that it's by faith alone through grace alone, uh, and, and, and that, 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 that it's only, only certain people. Um, you know, only the ones I choose. He, he teaches that in general, right? But but what I can't do, and, and, I, and I had part of this conversation with Scott Price the other day, and it, it, it seemed to end the conversation, um, is that what we can't do is accuse men who preach like Jesus did, right? And not necessarily get into all the parts of it in that teaching, but preach like Jesus did of teaching heresy. Um, and so, and, and, and that's what I really want to be careful of, at least at least on your side, because if we say that if Steve Lawson's just preaching like Jesus preached when he when he taught that, we can't say Steve Lawson was heretical. We can't say he was teaching workspace because Jesus didn't include faith, uh, the, the that kind of faith that we understand, right? Because we have we've got you know Romans and everything else, um, in, in the rest of Scripture, and it all backs it up. Like we we've got all that, but the way Jesus preached wasn't like let me exegetically break down the whole thing for you every time he did it. So if, so if he doesn't do that, then I shouldn't expect that expect a modern day preacher to do the same thing well it's 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 pretty it's kind of remarkable i think that this is even uh, happening because what this is showing peter is a is a category error in your part and what what you're doing is is these guys are are preaching basically what you've already acknowledged is that someone who says that they have faith they're going to have they're going to have uh, fruits of that of of that saving faith and that that will be manifest in in the way that they live their lives, the way that they they uh, you know the way that they they carry themselves about, and that's the evidence of salvation. And so so basically, Paul Washer, Steve Lawson, John MacArthur are saying, look, in a lot of people in our churches, there's no evidence of that. There's no evidence of of the fact that you are saved. So examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. First, go back and, and examine to, to see what you believe and then examine yourself to see. And, and so it's a category error in your part because you're, you're taking that and you're saying that they are then, that, that actually, you're, you're actually misrepresenting them because they are saying that that is the evidence of salvation and you are accusing them of saying that that is the means of salvation. And those are two completely different things. So I'm going to ask you to be at least a little bit in intellectually honest here and recognize that, um, you know, let me, let me see if I can, you know, I was trying to take notes and I wish that I wish I listened to the other sermon, the, the shocking youth message that Paul Washer preached because that's what you sent me. And so you're playing a different one. I didn't have time to go back and, and actually write down some of the things that he said, but um, so that's a uh, man. That's my dog in the background. She wants to get out. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to go let my dog out. I'll let you guys uh, talk. But I'm, I'm calling you to be intellectually honest and recognize that you're making a category error here that you, you basically said the same thing, that uh, a person who has, uh, who has genuine faith will, will manifest itself. And so, yeah, I'm going to let my dogs out. I'll, I'll let you do uh, 
respond. Let me, yeah, let me let me just uh, ask you a question: How you would do something real quick? Because I think I think it will make sense in a minute. Um, if if somebody um, if somebody was had a, you were going through tulip with them, right? And you were trying to explain stuff, and they had a hard time with limited atonement because that seems to be the one. Um, uh, you wouldn't spend all your time on total depravity, would you? No. Okay, so. If, if this if, if the part of the gospel that people are, are being thick about for lack of a better way of putting it or not processing not believing whatever is this part over here I'm not necessarily going to spend my time on on these other things that they say they affirm I'm gonna I'm gonna deal with the fact that they say they believe all these other things and all these other things lead to this that that, that that's I think the 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 if I, I I'm trying to be as far as I can I think that's the the unintentional mistake you're making um, I, I, I don't think that they're trying to teach that you should look to your works for assurance, but I think that, that, that he's saying that you say you believe, but you don't have works, and that's the same argument James is making. And I think that you, you and I agree on the fact that faith produces works. Um, mm -hmm. We're not saying that works is the means of salvation. We're not saying that you should be assured of your salvation purely by your works. Neither one of us agrees with that. Um, mm -hmm. But I, but I think we, we, we're both agreeing that, uh, that people believe, there's people out there who think that they can have this faith and do nothing, and nothing changes. And that's what he's addressing. He's addressing the easy, e easy believism that both of us disagree with. Mm -hmm. um, and he's not teaching that, that, you, you, that you know that you're saved by your works. He's saying, why do you think you're saved without them? Um, and, and so it's the same argument that James makes, and it's the same thing that, that John talks about in First John. Um, Jesus, you know, commands people to do things, and he's not teaching works-based salvation, even though he doesn't talk about all the other things. I just think that that um, that it's a because um, it's been mistaught, and because maybe you've even dealt with it to a degree. There's a hypersensitivity to that aspect of it, but that's not what it's teaching. Well, look, I'm I'm going to quote again what Steve Lawson says here. What is it to meet the terms of peace with God? And the answer is. Is not bought with real money. It is purchased. It is purchased with the total, complete surrender of your life to Christ. That's what it is to meet yeah. the terms of peace with God. And that's Luke 9, 23 and 24, saying to all of them, anyone who wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wishes, whoever wishes to save his life, so right, meet the terms of peace to save his life, will lose it. What? What Jesus will lose his life? My sake will. will, will he, he is yeah. the one who will save it. Yeah. What Jesus is teaching those guys is you can never do any of this. I'm asking you. That's why I'm going to have to no, die. But, but so so what, I, what I'm not going to do is ignore his words to say he's teaching something else. I'm dealing no, with, his, with his I understand words. That. I understand that. But what he's trying to teach, in, in, in essence, when he's telling those people, it's an impossible thing for you to do. But what Lawson is teaching here is you have to do this in order to. No, 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 Jesus is teaching it. Right. You have to do it also, right? Um, so, so no, 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 James is no, not saying this is how you no, no, meet the terms of peace with God. Right? Well, let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me let me complete that, okay? Jesus is saying you absolutely have to do this. Um, Jesus isn't saying you can do it on your own, right? So when he says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, he means that. Now, you can't do that on your own. I can't do that on my own. Nobody can do that on their own. Be holy for I am holy, like Peter reiterates later. You can't do that. You have absolutely no means to do it. It's still a command, and it's still expected. And it's only accomplished by the work of Christ on the cross. But I can, I, but Jesus can make that demand, just as God makes the demands, knowing that people will fail and knowing that he's going to have to supply the means. I don't have to explain 
the means. And and this is this is when I when I when I when I preach the gospel, my 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 if I were to say there was a goal, right? It is that people realize they can't do it on their own. But like I said, what Steve was preaching here, where is it to meet the terms of peace with God? Yeah. It is for you to come to the complete surrender of your life to Christ. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But the, the thing, he's not right. saying that you can do that. He's not saying that you, he said you have to do that. No, that's not what it is. He has to, he has the whole Bible with the Bible in front of his face and he's been to school. Yeah, and Jesus the word yeah. made manifest and he knew all of it. And didn't what, do that. what he should be saying is instead of saying, you know, you have to come to a complete surrender of your life to Christ, to meet the terms of peace with God, Christ already met it for us on the cross. Yeah, I understand that. But so that's you, the answer. That's the answer. But him yeah. preaching it this way leaves leaves us to go out there and say we got to live a life in total complete surrender to Christ. No one can do that, and they're just self punishing themselves yeah, every no, day. No, 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 no. They can't, they can't do that. They can't do that. But it's still a command by God to do it. What right? is what is a uh, what do right, you think? But that's what I'm saying. When you preach a gospel, there's three three truths. You got to add them all in here. This guy, he just leaves it like this. No, you don't, because Jesus didn't have to. Peter didn't have to. John didn't have to. James didn't have to. It's in the Bible. No, okay, it's in the Bible, but when they were preaching, they didn't have to go through all of the doctrines to, to lay it out. They didn't, it wasn't necessary. First off, you know, you, 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 you talk also about, like, if, um, if, if I was preaching, eventually you know, somebody comes up and has a conversation with you, you have to get into these things. And I agree with that. I agree that you need to get into these things. Steve Lawson standing in the front of a pulpit. And nobody's going to come up and talk to him right then. I'm sure if somebody comes up and talks to him later, he's going to, he's going to explain that they can't do it on their own, and it's only of Christ. You, but you, but you're 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 no. holding him to a higher standard than Jesus well, and, and the apostles. No, no, than Jesus and the apostles. It's it's pretty interesting to note that that both Jesus and John began their ministries by preaching repentance. Uh, John uh, preaching repentance in the wilderness, and then Jesus began his his ministry, uh, basically preaching uh, repentance, repent for the the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Is it is that wrong? Because they can't they can't repent unless they're they uh, unless it's it's a work of God. To preach repentance. Yeah, I mean Jesus Jesus and John, John the Baptist and the New Testament both began. Uh, by preaching repentance, Jesus began his ministry by by preaching repentance. Is is that wrong? No, I don't think anything wrong with preaching repentance. No. Okay, so what what do you think that Steve Lawson means when he says uh, he he uses the phrase total surrender? Complete surrender to your life yeah. to Christ. Yeah. Do Do you think that that? I mean, first of all, do you know what he means by that? Do you? No, I I, I would suspect because I know from Steve Lawson's. Uh, I know the, what it means the, the by bride, that. It means that the, the person who is receiving it is going to think he has to go out there and work and change his life in order to gain favor for people, no, you, right? No, that, that's you're, you're total assuming, hope. No, total no, hope. No, it's total that's, that's what it comes across. That's what it comes across to okay. a lot of people. And that, that's fine, but just because it comes across to you that way doesn't mean that that's actually what that, – that's, yeah. that's a subjective impression that you're placing on an objective – uh, reality that just because it comes across to you that way doesn't mean that that's actually what is being said. He's talking about, uh, and, and if you look at the the broader context of Steve Lawson's ministry and, and his preaching, total surrender means totally giving up on any any other hope that you have, and trusting or or uh, placing your your full faith in Christ alone. That's that's what what Steve Lawson is is talking about, and I don't think that you would have any quarrel with that. 
it is if you, we are if you, if you will take a step of faith and come through this narrow gate and commit your life and commit your life to him like that's not that's not biblical preaching man that's just like making you do the work that's what it is it's backdoor work salvation well the, the, the deny yourself pick up your cross and follow me right that's the same thing Okay, no, guys, <laughs> we're we're at three hours now, so we've got we've got an hour and a half for each show. I, I really don't want it to go longer than that. Um, it are we? Uh, so I, I knew that it wasn't going to really uh, give us the opportunity to talk about all three people. Um, I, I, I John MacArthur, Paul Washer, and Steve Lawson. Um, but okay. we did we did uh, talk about the two, and I think that John MacArthur pretty much falls in the same camp for for you. Here's um, here's 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 a quote from John MacArthur: "Don't believe anyone who says it's easy to become a Christian. Salvation for sinners costs God His own Son. It costs God's Son His life, and it'll cost you the same thing. Salvation isn't the result of an intellectual exercise. It comes from a life lived in obedience and service to Christ, as revealed in the Scripture. It's the fruit of actions, not intentions." There's no room for passive spectators. Words without actions are empty and futile. The life we live, not the words we speak, determines our eternal destiny. What, what, what did you read that from? John MacArthur, hard to believe, the original edition. Okay. Um, and, that, of course, he, that, he had to update that because people call him out on that. So yes, yes that, that's exactly what I want to point out. Um, that was wrong. And, and here's the thing. I think it's important to acknowledge when, when people are wrong. That was wrong. But John MacArthur has changed his position on that. And I believe that there's an article on the Trinity Foundation that... Uh, but John even the new one, it's the same thing. It doesn't really change much. Why didn't you quote that? Uh, Sorry? Well, can, you, can you quote that instead? So then that way it's, it's going to be... We're, we're dealing with what he's actually... His position is most recent. Because I've been wrong in the past, and I've learned to, to correct my mistakes, and then I said it differently. If I'm saying the same thing over again, then I haven't actually corrected anything. Let me ask but you something. This is a guy who's been through seminary years and years, and he writes something like this, and it's still wrong? How do you get that wrong like that? This is obviously this because, is obviously her, her, heretic, what he wrote here. Because how, do you, how do you go through sermons and own a national syndicate radio show, The Grace Brought to You, whatever it's called? Seven, eight years in seminary. He's a teacher. He's a leader of a pastor of a church, and he writes something like that. How can you go into this kind of a fault? Because, he didn't because, spot his error. The people okay. who proofread it spotted it to him and proved it to him. Right, because he's not perfect. Um, but let me let me this let me give far, you. Me, this is far from anything close to understanding what grace is about. Right. So okay, you can you can defend him all you want. I'm no, no, no. This hey. Because this goes to show that even after seminary, and all this education that he's got on him, what's in his heart? comes out like this okay so let me, let me hold on hold on hold on let, let, let me so I, I recently called out tim keller and um we've we've called out other people now there is a difference between what you're doing and what i did because and it was very difficult it was very difficult for me to call out tim keller we ended up having to leave the church that we were at because we just weren't in agreement with with people you don't know who tim keller is that's not a um, bad thing that that's fine. Don't read Tim <laughs> Keller. He's a very prom. He, he's a very prominent pastor teacher out of New York. Uh, he's a Presbyterian. He's written a number of uh, books that are on the New York Times bestsellers list. So I, I he's very very popular. He started the he's the co-founder of the Gospel Coalition. I, I I've called him out on things, 
And uh, to give you an example, I, I believe that Tim Keller denies the, the biblical doctrine of God's wrath. And what people tend to do is, is you say, hey, I don't, I don't think that Tim Keller, uh, I, I think that Tim Keller denies God's wrath. What people tend to do is then they will go and they will look up every sermon or every time when Tim Keller talked about God's wrath. And they'll say, ha-ha, see, uh, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't deny it. But what, what you have to do is you have to recognize that sometimes people will redefine terms. And so Tim Keller will, will make mention of God's wrath, but he redefines it in a way that God has no active role in the punishment of the sinner. And so he's, he's redefining God's wrath. And so a lot of times people will use biblical language only to redefine it. Now, I, I called out Tim Keller because I don't see that Tim Keller has, has changed his view or that Tim Keller, maybe it's like, okay, maybe he said that a long time ago, and that's not reflective of what he actually believes because he made a mistake. I, I think that we can do that. Peter, I'm, I'm going to point out that, that in last week's episode, you, uh, you espoused a, a view that was Roman Catholicism uh, with, with regeneration, that, that uh, regeneration is a process. Um, so you i'm i'm going to afford you the opportunity to to go back listen to that to study it to to read you know a systematic theology like uh, robert raymond's a, a new systematic theology for the christian faith and and examine that and i'm going to have to go back and look at hey did i make a mistake in in some of the things that i've said and and if i did then gee whiz i hope that somebody would bring it to my attention and i mean just because somebody says that i made a mistake doesn't actually mean that i made a mistake so the same thing is true for you, but I, I, I'm going to go back and I'm going to examine the things that I've said, and if I said it wrong, then I'm going to change it. So that's, that's essentially what, what John MacArthur has done. That's not what Tim Keller has done. So there's a difference between – I would not have called out Tim Keller if Tim Keller was, was acknowledged that, hey, there were some problems with that book and acknowledged that, that what he said was wrong – uh, and, and the Trinity Foundation wrote an article against John MacArthur, and even they they acknowledged at the end that, that John MacArthur has, has corrected some of these mistakes. Because we are... But, we are, but well, although he corrected it, it's still wrong. It's yeah, still absolutely, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Absolutely. But we need to be, we need to be honest, and we need to be, we need to be fair and charitable to people and say, okay, well, that, that was a mistake. Here's the problem. Nobody on this earth is able to be 100% consistent because we're not Christ. We we make mistakes. Uh, you 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 have a, a, a an assumption or a presupposition that you you hold to, and be, if it's wrong, it's going to be inconsistent with the broader scope of what you believe in, in Christianity. So, look. So so I'm I'm with you on the fact that. Oh man, I'm I'm starting to lose my voice. Can you can you can you can you see what I posted on our chat section there and I highlighted that? Can you see that? Um, I I, I can't. I, I'm. Um, let me see. If uh, I Joseph, can. can you see it? Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, can I can see it. Uh, can you see me highlight that part? I didn't see the highlighted part. I only see the the long text. Of okay. Stuff. So where it says the gospel call, true and conversion by Paul Washer. At the top. Yeah. Yeah. So right after that, can you read that first quote there? So it says, uh, if we are to be faithful stewards, we must be absorbed in the study of the gospel. Uh, take great pains to understand its truths and pledge ourselves to guard its contents. In doing so, we will ensure salvation for both ourselves and for those who hear us. Okay. So, 
they, these are the kind of things they write. These are the kind of things they teach, and they mix it up also with with grace and all the other doctrines of. Yeah. So, but I would still, I would still, I would fit that within the like, like, like you do with 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 scripture. There's a, there would be seemingly apparent contradictions. You fit fit it within the scope of what you know to be true, right? Well, so, he, he where it says there that we will ensure salvation both for ourselves and those who hear us. He's actually uh, translating that from First Timothy four sixteen. Okay. Hey guys. Yeah, so listen. Exactly. Hello. Guys. Yeah, I, I can hear you. Um, we're actually over an hour and a half, and I, I'm 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 wanting yeah, to stop okay. it. Um, so so I'll, I'll just give you an answer for for what you what you said. Um, he's talking about being faithful stewards, and, and I, I I agree with the statement. Um, he's not talking about the conditions upon which we become stewards or or uh, uh, that we're saved. The last line there it says, "In doing so, we will ensure salvation for both ourselves and for those who hear it." Yeah, that's that's pretty much just quoting the Bible. That's not what the Bible says. Uh, as you do this, you will ensure your salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Yeah, that's not what my King what, James. I, I, no, I just, I just read. No, I just read First Timothy four sixteen. What version are you reading? NASB. Okay. In the King James version, it says, "You will, we will save. We will save." them let me double check that we don't well we don't save anyone so that doesn't make any sense yeah are you no no are you no, a king no, james? no 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 are you a it king james onlyist hold on it doesn't that saving nowhere in that text in the whole chapter is talking about how you can attain salvation or how you can keep salvation just, I'm it's talking about it's, i know i know that but to interpret it correctly what it's talking about there in that salvation is saving those people from hearing and listening to error Right. What Paul Washer is interpreting here, he's saying that we're saving them to ensure it, make sure that they have salvation. No, I mean, I, he almost just quoted scripture for that part. He may like, he, he, like take, take page That's, of these things, be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourselves and to your teaching. Persevere in these things for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. That's verbatim. First Timothy yeah. 4.16. So, right. hey, hey, guys, I'm, I'm going to have to stop it there um, I, just because I, I, it's uh, – Peter, it must be uh, 2 – it must almost be 3 o'clock a.m. where you're at, and I, I do have to go to work. And um, just because of my job, like, I, I need to make sure that I, I get some sleep. Uh, but okay. li let, listen – Let me just end it by saying that I, I do respect your point of view and your stance on that. Uh, you guys are good – theologians, Paul, Washer, J. Mack, they're all good theologians, but I'm come from, I come from just purely grace. I don't want to add any, any works to it, and from what I understand that they're preaching, I see nothing but a backdoor works in order for you to maintain and we have the assurance of your salvation, whereas I say just look upon Christ as righteousness, as justification, as sanctification. Now, we both differ on that camp, and we can just leave it like that. Okay, well, Peter, I really appreciate you coming on uh we're sorry that your friend mike wasn't able to join us I, I did reach out to scott price he never responded back to me um and so uh you know i i don't know why i mean maybe he just didn't know who i am and or you know maybe he's busy so i want to be charitable and, and recognize that there's probably a very good reason as to why uh well. but 
Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, Mike couldn't come on because he had his phone and he couldn't download the phone. But. Yeah. So I, I, I really appreciate the discussion, Peter. I, I think that it was it, it's going to be beneficial for both of us to go back and and look at what's been said so we can we can look deeper into these things. And I want you to know, man, I truly respect you for wanting to hold fast to the Word of God. And I, I do think that you're that you are being a Berean. Um, regardless of whether or not you are, are where you're landing on these things, I, I think that you're doing the right thing by uh, examining what people say in the in the light of God's word. And uh, and so Joseph, I also want to say thank you to you for for coming on to an, another episode. Um, Peter, is there anything else that you would want people to know about how they can reach you or where to where to go to find you? Um, if they have any questions for you, they can just find me on my Facebook page, Peter Christian. Um, I'm in Toronto, Canada. They can just find me there. Uh, or if they're going to go on Block Talk Radio, just find me under the Grace Hour, and there'll be inboxes there that you can message me. But, um, you know, I, I had a, I've had for three hours, I've had a great discussion between uh, you and Joseph, and I really appreciate and thank you, you guys for inviting me on. and giving us this time to talk together. And I always like these kind of discussions. It always gets heated because it's, it's like that. There's no such thing as a smooth discussion when it comes to theology. It's going to get there. But uh, I appreciate the grace of God that's been given to us to hold us still and, uh, you know, that we're able to still uh, cordially talk and speak amongst each other and leave off on, on a good note. And I do appreciate your facts and, and your works to dig deeper into the word and to always study and talk about teachings and other people's teachings. As, as you said, you called out people before and I appreciate that. And I encourage you to remain doing that. Well, thank you, man. Thank you. Well, uh, Joseph, you have anything else? Yeah. I, you know what? I, I mean, it, I, it sounds like a broken record. I do, I do appreciate the time taken with this. Um, the patience required to, to do it. Um, um, you know, um, the opportunity to, to, to explain um, and defend um, uh, the position, if it if it if it if it makes you feel any better, I think you're wrong for the right reasons. Um, but uh, but um, but man, I just uh, I, I really do um, want to thank you for for taking the time uh, to talk to to two people by yourself uh, on your side of things. Um, I, I do appreciate and respect that. Yeah, thank definitely. you. All right, guys, we'll we'll close it out, and uh, everybody have a, a blessed week. We'll check you next time, all right?